0: If you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 2, Luke chapter 2, Luke chapter 2. If you need a Bible, um, as always, we've got Bibles at the back and you can go and grab one. And the reason why we want you to have a Bible while we teach is we're a church that is passionate about expositional preaching, and what that means is we go verse by verse through God's Word, and I don't want you to take my word for it, okay, when I preach. I want you to see it for yourself, and so if you need a Bible, some at the back. If you don't own your own personal copy of the Bible, you can take one of those home as well with you. It's our gift from us to you, Um, and so Luke chapter 2, Luke chapter 2. And we're going to be looking at um, verses 8 all the way um, to 11, verses 8 to 11, verses 8 to 11. And so I'm going to read Read along with me. All right. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Pray with me. Father, we're incredibly thankful to be here um, this morning. Um, There's so much... We need to be thankful for, Father, we need to be thankful for our health, our family, our friends, the fact that we get to live in a city like San Diego, that is something we're thankful for. Thank you for the weather. But most importantly, not just today, not just this season of Christmas, but every day of our lives, we need to be thankful for Jesus Christ, um, for all that he is and all that he's done and so as we reflect on Jesus throughout this Christmas season, may we be inspired to love him more and serve him better. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And so yesterday, um, my wife and I and family and I, we live in Pacific Beach PB. And so yesterday was kind of the annual um, Pacific Beach Parade. Um, Anyone went? Anyone here? That No? no? Oh, yeah, yeah. I saw Ron. Ron was actually in the parade. Um, (laughs) My family and I and a few others started off in the parade. We were representing Kate Session School. That is the school our kids go to. And we started off by being in the parade, kind of just walking down the road, waving. I was kind of doing my queen's wave, you know. just like taking the opportunity to express that. Um, And so we were in a parade, and then when it got to the end, we got to observe the parade. The parade, if you've been to a parade, is an incredible experience. Um, And it's an incredible experience because you get to witness and see people be creative in the most outlandish ways, okay? Um, We saw all sorts. They were giving candy out like crazy. There was a time, I'm not kidding, when there was a little girl who was part of one of the parades and she came to give candy to our kids, right? And my wife was like, no! (laughs) And I was like, you can't do that to the little girl. And my wife said no because we had already received the huge bag of candies already, and she was just like, no more for our kids. And so candy everywhere, there were even boats, (laughs) right, there were boats, not like flying or on water or that could have been creative or anything. There were boats being wheeled um, there were singing, there were dancing, gymnastics and there were hydraulic low rider cars. Can you believe that? (laughs) And I've been in one of those cars. It looks fun when you're observing it but when you're in it, it's so frustrating just the up and down. It's horrible. Um, But it was an incredible experience but I left the parade exhausted. And the reason why I left exhausted was my eyes and my emotions were everywhere. Um, What I mean by that is once you kind of begin to enjoy one element of the parade, another one comes, right? And so it's like distractions on, on steroids, right? It's just a lot. So much going on. And I say that to tell you guys because... We live in kind of an age of distraction, okay? Best-selling author Jeff Goins wrote this. He said, in a world saturated with social media and unlimited interruptions, many of us struggle to focus on what's in front of us with so many voices vying for attention. It's hard to know what's worth our time, right? You guys know it. We live in an age of distractions. We just do. We're often distracted by good things, all right, that take us away from the best things. And the Christmas season is no different. Vaughan Roberts, who wrote the tract, Christmas in Three Words, which this talk is largely based on, said this. He said this. It's easy at Christmas time to be preoccupied with shopping and partying that we forget what it's all about. And he's absolutely spot on, isn't he? We're so easily distracted by all the shopping we have to do, all the wrapping, and all the gifts we have to give, and all the food we have to eat, right? We're so distracted by many things we quickly forget what it is we're actually celebrating during Christmas. So what is Christmas all about? What is Christmas all about? What's the true meaning of Christmas? And why does it matter to you, to me, the person sitting next to you, and every single human being on planet Earth? Through movies, commercials, and school plays, most of us are familiar with the story of Jesus' birth. But we may have believed Jesus' birth in a manger was a true story growing up as a kid, but some of us possibly have come to believe that it's actually um, not true. Okay? Many people now believe that just as Santa doesn't really live in Lapland, right? So Jesus wasn't born in a manger. So, did Jesus really exist? Is he a historical figure like Catherine the Great, George Washington, or Napoleon? Or is he simply a fictional character like Santa, like Superman, or the Tooth Fairy? The Bible, which is made up of 66 books, written by 40 people over nearly 2,000 years, is a worldwide bestseller. And it's published in countless sizes, languages, and translations. The Bible is absolutely amazing. The Bible is no ordinary book at all. And the Bible, which is viewed by many respected scholars as the earliest and most historically reliable source, lets us know that Jesus was actually a real person. Okay? And he was a real person who was born in a manger and who then grew up, grew up to become the most remarkable man the world has ever known. No one has ever come close to achieving what Jesus achieved. His life was in a class of its own. He displayed unequaled humility, compassion, and kindness. Although he was a carpenter from a small town, Jesus' teachings, right, and his life still captivate the minds and impact the lives of millions of people thousands of years after he lived on earth. But sadly, okay, despite all the good that Jesus did, the religious leaders of his day felt threatened by him and managed to persuade the Roman authorities to have him crucified. And if Jesus' life ended in the grave, his brief but kind of extraordinary life would be forgotten by now. But now, we are absolutely certain that he didn't remain in the tomb. He rose from the dead, appeared to many people, and ascended into heaven. Jesus was no ordinary man. Christianity has historical roots. It's not based on a philosophy or a mantra or a feeling. It's based on historical events. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. He wore sandals, right? And walked the sandy, dirty streets of Israel. He did die on a cross, but to this day... His grave is nowhere to be found. Why? Because three days after his death, he rose from death to life. Christmas is all about Jesus. Christmas is historical. It really, actually, very truly happened. Christmas is not just historical. Christmas... It's a time of great joy, okay? The passage we read in Luke just now um, lets us know that an angel appeared to a group of shepherds um, to tell them about the birth of Jesus. And in verse 10 of Luke chapter 2, the angel says to the shepherds, Do not be afraid, I bring you good news of great joy. So the question is, what is this good news of great joy Um, that the the angels want to tell the shepherds. If we keep reading in verse 11, it tells us that the news of great joy is for all people, number one, right? It's for all people. It's not just a particular group of people, but for all people. And they go on to say, Today in a town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. He is Christ the Lord. The news that will bring us all great joy is not the news that we're the lucky winners of the lottery jackpot. That would be awesome, right? The the news that will bring great joy is not the news that we no longer have to pay taxes, okay? Or um, we no longer have to deal with the common cold because they found a cure for it, right? The news that is certain to bring Every single human being on this planet, great joy is the news that Jesus Christ, the Savior, is born. And Jesus Christ, the Savior, is alive. And Jesus Christ, the Savior, is absolutely willing and able to express His love and His grace to all those who decide to receive it. The birth of a baby is always a time of great joy. My wife and I have three kids, and I've thankfully been there um, um, every time we've had a baby. And um, it's been an in- interesting, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, a time of great joy. I mean, for me, but not my wife. Um, um, but it's been an incredible experience, especially when, you know, like it's just we hold this baby for the first time that we've been waiting for, for all these months. It's an incredible occasion. And I'm sure if you do have friends and family who have had um, um, newborns, it's a great and joyful time for all family and friends. It absolutely is. But when we don't know the parents of a newborn, we're never as excited as we are when we know them. So, for example, um, you know, most of us have Instagram or Facebook, and we have friends that are really not friends. We just kind of added them a while ago, and we're just no longer close to them. And, you know, once in a while, they'll post something about, like, having a baby. And when we see that picture, it's great. We like it, and we move on, right? Um, But when a friend we really know and are excited about, and are close to, has a baby. We don't only like it, we comment, and we give them a call. And we say, when can we come around and see the baby, right? We're super excited. But when it's someone we don't really know, we're not so excited. So, the question is, why should we rejoice at the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem? Okay? The answer is, because of who he is. Jesus was just not a person just like you and I, He was actually the long-awaited Messiah, the Savior of the world, God in the flesh. That is mind-blowing to think that Jesus, right, this uh, historical figure who actually lived 2,000 years ago, um, is not only just a carpenter or an individual who was compassionate and he helped people and he was a nice guy, but Jesus, okay, is actually saying, and he says it several times in the Bible, that he is actually God. And not only that, others, right, who knew him got to see him display his, his divinity. It's an incredible claim. And so, Jesus' birth should be an occasion occasion for great joy because Jesus' birth is a display of God's great love and God's love was revealed to us in that while we were still sinners, he sent his son to leave all the glory of heaven behind and be born as a man. And because of this, God is not distant, okay? God is not just this higher power out there, up there somewhere. God is near to us. He's not distant. He has, in fact, drawn near to us. And how he's done that is in the person of his son, Jesus Christ. Now, this is an amazing, great reason for us to have joy, okay? But there's even more good news from the life of Jesus. He didn't just come to earth to demonstrate God's love. He came to achieve an urgent rescue. The Apostle Paul, who was one of the greatest Christian leaders ever lived, says this. He says, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Most of us don't feel like these words are relevant to us. okay? Because as far as we're concerned, uh, we're not really sinners. Um we're not really bad people. We view bad people as, you know, the murderers and rapists and terrorists and pedophiles. Absolutely they are. But us, we're, we're kind of good, okay? We're decent people. We don't do any of those things, right? The worst things we kind of do is lie sometimes, right? Or break the speed limit or sometimes, you know, That is the worst thing we do. But generally, we're good people. And most of us would admit that we're not perfect, but we're good. And we're fine. As far as God is concerned, we are in his good books. But once we realize this, once we realize, and listen to this, guys. Once we realize that the heart of sin is not the bad things we do or say, but it's actually our attitude towards God our view of sin is corrected. Okay? View of sin is corrected. One author defines sin in this way. He says, Sin is not just doing things that are a bit wrong or even very wrong. Sins are the actions and attitudes that spring from a decision to reject the loving authority of the God who made all things. Did you catch that? Sin, it's the choice to live without a relationship with our maker and to actually say to God who made us, who created us and everything around us, to actually say to him, hey this is my life and I will live my life By my rules. Because of this attitude, there's no surprise that the Bible talks about how God is actually unhappy with us. A just God, right? God is just. He's a just judge who cares about what is right and what is wrong, can't just ignore our wrongdoings, He must punish it. And the punishment we all deserve is eternal separation from him. We've chosen to live for ourselves rather than our creator God. And in his justice, God has no choice but to separate and distance himself from us. But thankfully, because God is love... He absolutely wants to forgive us. And this is why he sent Jesus to earth on the first Christmas day. Jesus came to rescue us so we may know and relate to God, not only as our good king, but our loving and gracious father. Jesus was a real person. But he was very different to you and I. He was perfect. He lived a perfect life. He was the only one who did not deserve to face the agony of death and separation from God on the cross. But he chose to die in our place. He chose to be punished for our sins. When he died on the cross, he took the punishment we deserved so we may escape it. So... If we trust in Jesus, we can be sure that the price has been paid for all of our sins and we are completely accepted by God, not because of anything we've done, but because of Jesus' death and resurrection in our place. A few days before Christmas in 1991, a 19-year-old named Robin Farmer, just returned home after his first semester of college. He was working in a family shop when a gunman forced his way into the shop and aimed a gun at his father. Robin, mustering all the courage he has, dived in front of his father and took a bullet for his father, dying shortly afterwards. That courageous sacrifice from this young man is similar to what Jesus did for us. Robin's father can say, my son died for me. But we all can say, God's son, Jesus Christ, died for us. There has never been a better Christmas present in God's gift of his own son to be the savior of the world. The coming of Jesus is not only relevant to religious people or those with a Christian background. Jesus' rescue is the only hope of anyone being forgiven and accepted by God. Thelma Howard was an American maid who worked for Walt Disney. Every Christmas Eve, Walt Disney gave her a piece of paper in an envelope. Thelma didn't understand what these envelopes and pieces of paper were, so what she would do is that she would simply put it under her bed and add it to all the other collections of envelopes with pieces of paper in them that Walt Disney gave her. After her death, Her relatives found the documents and realized that the pieces of paper she received as a gift each Christmas from Walt Disney were shares in the Disney Corporation worth $30 million. What does this story tell us? It tells us this. That if you're here and you've not yet Surrendered your life to Jesus. Don't make the same mistake as Selma Howard, who missed out on a fortune because she didn't look carefully enough at her Christmas gift. Jesus is God's gift to us and Jesus is far more valuable than any sum of money he absolutely is even if you're convinced that Jesus is not who he says he is let me let me just let me just encourage you it's worth checking out it's worth taking time to have another look at Jesus you have nothing to lose And you could have much to gain. I know everyone, like, you know, I'm always around and about in PB and... Obviously, because of my accent, people want to talk to me most of the time, um, and it's always fun just sparking conversations with people. And um, you know, most conversations get to that place where people are like, "Yeah, what do you do? What do you do?" And every time um, people ask me what I do, I say, "Hey, I'm a pastor. I kind of started a church in this area. You know, kind of they, they kind of change and they kind of begin to distance themselves." And they distance themselves, not physically, but you can tell the conversation, according to them, needs to end right now, okay? And so what happens with that is I'm always in my mind, and sometimes I always tell them when I get to sharing about my faith. I'm always like, I can't make you love Jesus Christ, okay? I can't force you. I can't, like, get you in a headlock and say, love Jesus. Like, you know, I can't do that. Jesus is who he says he is. Jesus is the greatest gift anyone can ever have and receive. And my job and every Christian's job is to absolutely share what Jesus has done in our lives and share the truth about who Jesus is. And when we do that, we trust that by God's grace, individuals who don't know Jesus will take a step or two or three towards knowing Jesus. But for some of you here this morning, your questions may have already been answered. You're like, I'm really interested in this Jesus guy. All you need to do right now is absolutely stop keeping Jesus at a distance and instead trust him to forgive you of your sins and begin to live for him as your Lord and Savior. And it's not going to be easy. You can't do it on your own. That's why God's provided his spirit and the church to help you. And so if you are here, okay, it's Christmas and you got invited to this service and you're here and you don't know, you've heard about Jesus and you kind of have an idea of who he is. Maybe you grew up in a Christian home and you're no longer interested in Jesus or this is your first time hearing about this Jesus guy. Let me absolutely encourage you to make that decision to dedicate your life to living for him. It will be the best decision you've ever made. And so if that is you, after the service, we're going to have some lunch and some food. Make sure you talk to me or anyone. Just tell them, hey, like, I want to know more about Jesus and we'll be able to help you as much as possible. But if you're here, and you know Jesus, you're a Christian, and you know Jesus, and you've been a Christian for several years, let me encourage you to dedicate this Christmas season to knowing him more. This is what I mean by that. Christmas is a time of relaxation and a time to be with family and friends and all of these things. But what I have found in the past is that I utilize most of my Christmas kind of just binging on soccer and Netflix and all of those things because I've been working for a year and I need time to relax. And I can be distracted by the many good things that Christmas brings and kind of ignore who Jesus is all about. And so if you're a Christian, think through it, pray through it. I can't give a formula of how to do it, but make sure that you dedicate a good portion of your time this Christmas really diving deeply into who Jesus is and that might mean reading the gospels spending Christmas reading the gospel I don't know but just make sure you use your time in a way that will grow your faith and your love in Jesus Christ let's pray Heavenly Father we are incredibly grateful for Jesus Christ and as we sing as we hang out afterwards and eat, um, and all of these things, may even our conversations magnify Jesus. Uh, May our singing magnify Jesus. And I pray for all of us here, by the power of your Spirit, may you help us not only sing these songs, But believe what we're singing and be changed by what we're singing. And the change we're looking for is not a moral change or anything, but the change we're looking for, Lord, is that you would grow in us or feel in us all our love, appreciation, and dedication to Jesus. That is the change we want from this time. May you do this. And may we... In the weeks to come, witness you, witness you, change us and grow our faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So at this time, um, if you guys noticed, there's been four candles um, and the one in the middle um, represents Jesus, um, the light of the world. Um, whose birth we celebrate the one to whom all the candles point to Um, and so as I light this candle as we continue with our time of worship may you not only observe but really grow to appreciate and love Jesus Christ the King